Thank you for joining us on the Access Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Pastor Kurt Ames. We're going to have an amazing service tonight. We're smack dab in the middle of a uh, series of messages. Chose to go through an entire book of the Bible called Galatians. We've gone through the first two chapters so far. And I want to give a little bit of a recap to everybody um, who is maybe joining us kind of midway. This is going to be the third part of the message series right now. Uh, so I want to do a little bit of a recap. So part one and week one, this is what we learned. We learned that there are two different brands of Christianity. So Paul is writing to these people in Galatia, this church, and uh, what they were hearing was two different brands of Christianity, and there's actually two different brands of Christianity that still gets preached even today. And uh, it's the same ones. And so what they were getting was there was this gospel of work. So it's what you do um, to get right with God. And then there was another one that was called the gospel of grace, which is the true gospel. And one focuses on what you do, and then the other one focuses on what Jesus did. Now, the latter one is the one that we focus on. We focus on what Jesus did because we know that we cannot make right with God on our own, right? We, we only can do it by receiving what Jesus Christ did and putting our faith in him. We're gonna learn about that a little bit more tonight. So we wanna make sure that we continue to focus on what Jesus did, not what we do. And then the religious systems will tell you something along these lines. Um, you know, if you'll just change enough, if you'll just do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, one, two, three kind of a thing, jump through some hoops, change enough, then you can join our club Jesus' way of doing things was completely opposite and it was completely different. And, and here's what he said, and it's really simple, but it works every single time. Jesus says, if you'll just follow me, simply following Jesus Christ, you'll change. You'll change in the midst of that. So we talked about that, and then in part two, uh, which was last week, we went through chapter two of, of Galatians, and um, we talked about two different ways, two things that we can that we can do to help us not to go back. Paul was talking about, okay, so you've heard these two different types of Christianity. What can we do to make sure that we don't go back to the way that we used to do things? And as followers of Jesus Christ, I don't know about you, I wanna know those things because I know that I don't wanna go back to the way I used to do life because the way that I used to do life got me all jacked up. Nobody can relate? Okay. And, and I, so I don't want to go back. And so we talked about what do we do to ensure that we don't go back to the old way of doing things. And Paul pointed out two things that we highlighted last week. The first one was this. We need to daily humble ourselves before God. And Paul said it this way. He says, you know what? I die every single day. I die every single day. There's no rededicating your life to Christ. Listen, you do it every single day as a follower of Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? You wake up, come before God, you humble yourself and say, God, I need you today just as bad as I did the moment that I said yes to following you and giving you all of my life. I need you just as bad today. Humble yourself, you know? And, and, and I, I gotta do this all the time because my mind is still messed up. I still have crazy thoughts just like the rest of you do, right? Because your mind didn't get saved. You got saved, your spirit did. And, and so you got to humble yourself. God, I need you. God, I need you today. God, I just need you to give me your thoughts. Replace my thoughts for yours. God, I have an ego. I don't want to have an ego. I want you to shine through me. So would you help me to, to learn how to do that? Would you help me to be a better dad, a better father? Lord, would you help me to be a better son, a better daughter, a better mother, a better sister, a better friend? We need to humble ourselves daily before God. And here's the cool part about it. We've been talking about God's grace a lot in the first two weeks. Here's what scripture promises us, that if we humble ourselves, God gives grace to the, oh, that was 
pathetic. That was, that was a D minus. We need to get it up to at least a B plus. God gives grace to the? Yes. Yeah, see, you guys know this stuff, right? God gives more grace to the humble. And listen to me, grace is the very thing that transforms us. The same thing that saved us, which is the grace of God, is the same thing that transforms us in our walk with Jesus Christ over this lifetime. Second thing, we need to daily choose. We talked about making choices, right? We need to daily choose God's way of doing things and not choosing our way of doing things because how many of you know that doing things our way usually leads to more problems? But when we choose to do things God's way, it actually produces and leads us into more freedom. See, we think that, oh man, God's got some, some things that he wants to share with us in, in the word. Well, you know, that's just too hard. And matter of fact, that seems like, man, that seems like, like bondage to me. Like, I don't have a lot of freedom. I promise you, if we learn how to do things God's way, it will produce more freedom in our lives, which is exactly what we're talking about. The title of this series is Galatians, Heaven's Freedom. We need to learn how to live in heaven's freedom. And let me tell you what heaven's freedom is, is learning how to live in God's grace because God's grace is heaven's freedom. So tonight, chapter three, we're gonna pick it right up here. Uh, Paul starts out by addressing the Galatian church very, very, very gently. He says this in verse one, oh, you foolish Galatians, <laughs> who has cast an evil spell on you? Now, the Greek word for evil spell, those two words right there, actually means evil eye. That's a better translation of it. Who gave you the evil eye? Who put that evil eye on you? I call it the stink eye. Uh-huh, I see some heads nodding. Yeah, you all ever experienced somebody that gave you the stink eye or you gave somebody the stink eye? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I got a grandma that gives the stink eye really, really, really good. You know, and, and I have some family in, that's laughing over here, you know, that knows my grandmama. And she can give the stink eye really well. You know, when she disagrees with what you do, what you say, how you do what you do, what you want to do with your own life, you know, she gives you the stink eye. And the stink eye is extremely uncomfortable, but not for me. I always like, Grandma, I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it, God's way. Is that cool with you? So I'm going to do, you know, what I want to do when I want to do it. With my, you know, you guys don't understand what I'm talking about at all. Listen, many people don't come to church for this very reason. Right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of people come into church and maybe they're not dressed the part. Maybe they don't look the part. Maybe they, uh, they don't smell the part. Take a shower. You know, maybe they don't, I don't know, you know, maybe they're tatted up. You know, I'm sure, Scott, man, I'm sure you've, you know, if you were to show them tats around, I mean, depending on what church you walked into, you get the stink eye like, oh, my goodness. Can you believe that guy right there? All tatted up. He's a heathen. Churchy words, right? The stink eye. But listen to me, aren't you glad that we are not sitting on the judgment throne? Don't you, you know that we make terrible gods? Do you not know this? We, we make horrible gods. Listen to me, we're not here to judge people. We're here to love people to Christ, to win some over to Christ by using winsome words like the book of Proverbs would tell us. So... You know, and, and this is the other thing. Paul said this in Philippians, you know, 
Before I get to what he said, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Last year, I was in a church service, and this very thing kind of took place, but in a different manner. Um, the pastor was, was speaking and teaching, and uh, he ended up in the midst of his sermon. Here's what he said uh, in not so many words, and, but this is, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but this is what he said. He says, you know, I don't know if anybody else out there is noticing, but our culture is jacked up. And we're just going the wrong direction. Our culture's going the wrong direction. I'm telling you, as soon as he said that, the entire church body gave more amens and more hand claps than at any other portion of the service. I didn't clap my hands and I did not shout amen at that portion. Why? You know what? And I, I felt like God, you know, had, had kind of spoke to me in that moment. And I'm thinking to myself, man, we sit on a, on a judgment seat that we don't belong on. We're, we're sitting on a judgment seat that we never were intended to sit on. And here's the truth, friends, is that we'll never, ever, ever reach people for Christ that we're judging. We'll never, ever reach a culture that we stand in judgment of. Paul says it this way in Philippians. He says, listen, we need to consider others as better than ourselves. He says it another time uh, in a different way. He says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? It's none of my business. Man, that scripture never gets any airplay. We gotta stop judging what's happening and start loving. You know what I'm saying? All right. So he goes on and says this, for the meaning of Christ Jesus' death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. So then he asks a question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses. Let me ask you guys all the same question. Did any person in this room receive God's spirit by obeying a list of rules or by obeying the law? Anybody? No. Paul goes on, he says, of course not. You received the spirit simply because you believed the message that you heard about Jesus. How foolish can you be? I love how gentle he is. After starting your new lives in the spirit... How are you now, and why are you now trying? Now, here's the opposite of true Christianity. Why are you trying to become perfect by your own human effort? And we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks, that there is no, no amount of human effort that we can do to get in right standing with God, right? But this is actually where the stink eye comes from, people. When you walk into church and somebody, you're not, you're not dressed the right way, you don't look the part, whatever it might be, you're tatted up too much, and people give you the stink eye. Here's why they give you the stink eye is because they actually believe that their human effort makes them better than you. It's pretty simple. They think that the way that they're living their life currently makes them better than you, so they actually will look at people this way. You're less than and I'm better than. They need, listen, heaven forbid, friends, God forbid that this place, that every single person that shows up on a Thursday night looks like us, talks like us. Come on, people. Do you know where I'm going with this? This place needs to be a safe place where everybody belongs, right where they are. That's exactly the way that Jesus Christ himself lived. Now, 
There's nothing, there's no amount of human effort, there's no amount of rule keeping that, that we can do to get right with God. I know I say it over and over and over, but I gotta drill this into your minds because I'm, I'm hearing um, some feedback even from people that have been churched their entire lives like, wow, I've never, never really truly understood the grace of God. Listen to me, the Bible, the Bible clearly states, it says this, and maybe you know, if you've been around church uh, for, for some time, you're gonna, he- you're gonna know and recognize the scripture that I'm gonna throw out here, and if, if you're not, that's okay too, but the Bible says the wages of sin is death. In other words, we ran up a bill that we could not possibly pay on our own. So the bill that we ran up, actually, it, you know, the sentence for the bill that we ran up is death. So we were put on death row, essentially. And then Jesus Christ comes into the courtroom of your life and ends up saying, while you're sitting on death row, says, hold the phone a second, hold the phone a second. I want you to release them, set them free. I'm gonna pay their bill in full right now. I'm gonna pay their bill in full. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel of grace. And by the way, have you ever experienced that when you're out in public? My wife and I have experienced this uh, I think a couple times. One for sure I remember is when we were on our third or fourth anniversary um, not trip, but we just we went over to uh, Grand Haven for uh, for a night, and we stayed in a in a condo over there. And we went out to dinner, and we went to a place called Fricanos. Anybody ever eaten Fricanos pizza? I highly recommend eating some Fricanos, especially the one in Grand Haven. So we're sitting there eating, and there was a nice um, older couple that was sitting actually right next to us during dinner, and uh, started talking to them just a little bit, and got to know them a little bit. Next thing you know, we, we, were just, we just kept eating. The pizzas came. We ate all our pizza, and um, that couple had left before we got done with our dinner. And so they, they went outside, and we didn't think anything of it. Just thought they were nice people. And then I said, hey, I, I need the bill. So if you could get me the bill to the waitress. And so she comes over and explains, well, hey, um, that, that couple that was sitting right next to you guys paid your bill. They already paid everything, and they left, and my wife and I were like, dang, that's awesome. We should have brought the kids. That would have been <laughs> awesome, right? And, uh, but I'm thinking to myself, man, that ain't right. Hold on a second. I ate all the food. My wife ate all this food. We deserve to pay that bill, but someone else paid it for us. It's no different with Jesus Christ. We deserve death, but Jesus, told, uh, Jesus went to the Christ to pay our bill in full so that we didn't have to do any of it. So it's nothing that we can do to receive it. It's only something that, uh, to earn it, it is only something that we receive. And again, we are saved by grace through faith for, oh my goodness, that's it. Here we go. One more time. We're saved by grace through faith for good works. That, yeah, good works is the third one, everybody. So good job, good job. We'll, we'll, we'll do it again next week. Um, so he paid the bill in full for us. That's the gospel of grace. Galatians 3.10, Paul goes on. He says this, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Now listen to me, I want you to know, God doesn't put people under a curse that choose to live by the law. We actually put ourselves under this curse. It goes on to explain, as it's written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Let me explain it in my terms. We are hit if we try to obey the law because it is absolutely impossible to fulfill. James says it this way, this is the brother of Jesus, says, for whoever 
keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So if you've broken one, which every single one of us in this room have, we're guilty of breaking the whole thing. Then Paul asks a phenomenal question. I love this. He says, why then was the law given at all? What the heck is the purpose of the law? That's a great question. Why did it ever even come? And then he answers his own question in verse 24. He says this, the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. We could not obey the law. The law had absolutely no power to change us or our condition. So we had to go looking somewhere else. And we had to go look for someone else. And his name was Jesus. And when we give our lives to Jesus, when we truly lay down our lives and accept and receive Jesus Christ as our Lord, the Bible's very, very clear that we become a new creation. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We become a new creation. Then it says this, old things just go away. Old things have passed on. Then it says this, behold, all things become new. Another translation says it this way, behold, all things are made new. Now check out verse 24 in the New Living Translation. It says this, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be, say it with me, made right with God through faith. True Christianity, friends, does not just only simply ask you to do right, you know, Nike, just do it. Listen, true Christianity, first and foremost, wants you to be made right. This is called the born again process, and Jesus talked about it in John chapter three. But that is only accomplished when we actually receive God's grace. We are made right through placing our faith in Jesus Christ. We are justified, and by the way, that means you have been made just as if it never happened. That's what justified means. Just as if you had never done it. God chooses to remember it no more. So he doesn't wanna just, you know, just have us discuss grace. Friends, we need to experience grace. We need to experience it. And we've been discussing the grace of God a lot over the, over the first two weeks in this series because we need to learn how to live, again, in heaven's freedom. And heaven's freedom is all about learning how to live in God's grace after receiving God's grace, because God's grace is heaven's freedom. So remember, I keep saying this every single week. I'm gonna say it again. We must become people who are all about that grace, about that grace. You know why I keep saying that? Because I'm gonna ruin that song for you in all the right ways. Every time you hear that song, you're gonna start thinking about the grace of God. You ain't gonna be thinking about the bass and the treble. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. I know you know what I'm talking about. All about that grace, all about that grace. You're gonna be at some party and people, you're gonna be like, oh, grace of God is so good, so good. But as people who are all about God's grace, listen to me now, this is very, very important. This is exactly what we're gonna be talking about tonight. For people who need to be all about God's grace, because it's the only way that we're saved and it's the only way that we're transformed and discipled in this lifetime, we also need to make sure that we don't become people who 
abuse God's grace. This is extremely important. You know, I, I know, again, I've been teaching on the grace of God, but here's what can happen. People can, can take it the wrong way and have it lead to a life of doing whatever they want to do and living however they want to live because it's all about grace. It's just all about grace. It's all about grace. But I want to always err on the side of grace, and I want to explain fully what the grace of God is to you guys, which is exactly what Paul is doing in this book of Galatians. But I also want you to make sure, friends, that you do not abuse the grace of God. We should never be a people that abuse it. So Paul says this in Romans 6, verse 1. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? And he answers his own question. He says, of course not. That's ridiculous. And that's ungodly. So no, we can't do that. We don't want to do that. The title of the message is Don't Abuse Grace. Very simple. Don't abuse grace. And the key to not abusing God's grace is actually found in how Jesus loved people while he was on planet Earth. Shocker, right? So we're going to look at how Jesus loved people tonight. And I think it's going to help each of us out because we do not want to be a people, if we are the body of Christ, we want to make sure that we're not going to become people who are on one end of the spectrum or the other. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying here? I'll break it down a little bit more here in the message. But John uh, describes it in his gospel. John chapter 1, verse 14. This is how he describes Jesus. This is so cool. He says, the word, which is Jesus, became flesh. He was God in a body. And he made his dwelling among us. The literal translation of it means he pitched a tent among us. He camped with us. He came literally in the flesh. God came and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. Now catch it. Here's, here's the two words that are going to show us how we never, ever, ever abuse grace. Who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Now, about three years ago, my son was five years old, and we uh, did this this, this play during Christmas time. Matter of fact, it, many of you in here uh, were actors in this production that we put on, and it's a big old deal. And, and we haven't done it, I don't think we've done it in the last couple of years, but it's The Grinch. We haven't done it in the last two years, but it was three years ago. Um, this is a, it's a huge production. People from all over the region come to see this production that Res Life puts on. And so I'm talking about it is completely maxed out. I think our, you know, our big sanctuary can seat like 4,300 people. And they will pack it in and pack it out. And I, how many services did you guys do? Like five different Grinches or four or five? Yeah, five, I think. And so my wife and I brought um, our kids to this, and we, we, we sent uh, our, our youngest into uh, childcare, I think. And then Brendan, who was five years old, came. And so after the play was over, we come out into the main foyer down the hallway. And it's just packed. People are everywhere. And I've got my son with me, and now I'm having a conversation with somebody. And so it's just absolutely packed, you guys. And 20, 30 seconds maybe goes by where I didn't have my eye on him. And all of a sudden, I, I look down to see where my son Brendan is, and he's completely gone, nowhere to be found. I'm thinking, 
oh my goodness, you know, I didn't, I looked around me over here, looked over here, start looking out a little bit further, couldn't see him anywhere. So now I start walking down the halls, you know, I'm, I'm walking, I'm pacing, I'm looking, starting to get a little bit more freaked out. I don't see him down there. I don't see him down here. So now, I, you know, it's like, man, this, listen, we're not even safe anymore to go to the movie theater. I know that we're in church, but come on, somebody, right? So I'm in freak out mode now. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I walk up to some security guards. I said, guys, 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 I need your help. I can't find my son. I don't know where he's at. Would you help me out with it? So then they get on their little walkie-talkies, you know, and they're talking to each other. Hey, you know, Kurt's son is in here somewhere. Would you guys start helping him? And, you know, finally, we're, we're looking all over for him. He used to love to go into the bookstore, and they've got this little uh, tomb in there that, that represents the tomb of Jesus, you know, and the stones rolled away. And he used to love just going in there after services. So we go, maybe he's in the bookstore. We go to the bookstore. We check in the tomb. Tomb was empty. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Still empty today, right? Yeah, it's good. That came out better than I thought it was. And uh, so I, I come back out, still freaking out, and they're, they're trying to talk to people and, and, and uh, uh, to each other, going, man, we can't find this kid. Next thing I know, I mean, I, now it's like, okay, Daddy of the Year Awards are not coming, and, and somebody might have my kid. I look down the hall. You know, I've got all these emotions going up, fear and anguish and all this, this stuff, and I look down the hall, and he's like 75 yards down the hall because this place is like an airport, people. I don't know if you've ever walked the halls here, but it's pretty big. And so I see him coming around this corner, and he's just like, la, 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 you know, like, like I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. I'm like, you're five years old, you know. And, and so I see him, and I go, Brendan, get over here right now because, you know. And so the, the new emotions that I was having was like overwhelmed with joy. I'm happy my son is here, but at the same time, I gotta set this kid right. Let him know that he can't do this, right? So I grab him, being a good father, I, I say, look at me in my eyes. Don't you ever, ever, ever leave me or your mom and go off by yourself, ever. Do you understand me, young man? I came down on him pretty harsh, right? So we leave, get in the car, head out of the parking lot, hit Byron Center Road, Take a right, go into Walgreens. Mama goes in to get some diapers and some other things the kid need, kids need, right? I'm, I'm driving, my son and my daughter are sitting in the back and my son was sitting diagonal to me in the back right seat. And I heard him whimpering, he's crying because I came down on him pretty hard, you know. And from the back of the truck, he says, Daddy, I said, Yes, Brendan, do you still love me? And my heart about broke. And I turned around and I looked at him in the eyes and I said, you listen to me right now. I need to get something straight with you. There is absolutely 100% nothing, nothing, nothing that you could ever do that would make me not love you. Are we clear? And I mean, when I say nothing, you could screw up all day long and twice on Sunday for the rest of your life. I still will love you. You are my son. Are we clear? Grace. But then I said, but you have to understand that what you did was not the right way of doing things. So we have some things to work on. Listen to me, friends. Do you see the tension that exists between grace and truth? 
Do you see that there's tension there? Listen, grace says, I love you no matter what. Truth says, you got some things to work on. Grace says, no matter what happens in this lifetime, I will always be your father and you will always be accepted no matter what. Truth says, you're kind of jacked up and we got some room for improvement, right? I mean, there's, there's just so much tension between the two. But listen to me, we're at our best when we actually embrace both grace and truth. Are you guys with me? Jesus was the master at this. He was full of grace and truth, right? So this is verse 16. It goes on to say this. Out of his fullness, talking about Jesus, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. What that literally means is that we just continue to receive grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. This entire lifetime that we live following Jesus, we're just gonna keep receiving grace. We're gonna keep receiving grace. Remember last week we talked about as followers of Jesus Christ, we fall down sometimes. We screw up sometimes. Sometimes we're hypocritical in our walk with God. Raise your hands. Everybody raise your hands. Yes, that's all of us, but listen to me. We get back up. And we come to Jesus, he gives us more grace because grace is the very thing that will transform you into someone that becomes more and more like Jesus Christ. Grace in place of grace in place of grace. And then verse 17, for the law. John's talking about the same law that the the book of Galatians is talking about. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And this is how Jesus loved people. There was this point in time when uh, Jesus was alive on this planet where he was really tired and he was walking through uh, this place called Samaria. He comes to this town called Sychar. And he's super tired, so his disciples go into town to get some groceries. And he sits down on this well. And this Samaritan woman, and by the way, Samaritans and Jews did not talk. Jews looked down on Samaritans. There was racial tensions there. They were despised by the Jews. So Jesus, the Jew of all Jews, okay, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, sits down on this well. And this woman, at noon, middle of the day, comes out to the well to, receive, to, to get some water. And Jesus strikes up a conversation with her. And she's like, hold on a second. Because he says, hey, I'm really thirsty. Would you get me some water? And she goes, wait a second. You're a Jew. Why are you talking to me? Grace. Just the fact that Jesus was with her, willing to talk with her, conversate with her, he's showing her grace. They strike up this conversation, right? And he says, you know what? And everything's going great. And then all of a sudden he says this. So he's shown her grace, and then he says, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to your home, and then I want you to bring your husband back with you. I want to talk to him too. And she says, well, you know what? I I don't have a husband. And then Jesus reaches down into like the deepest, darkest, most shameful, painful, hurtful portion of this woman's life and says, yeah, I understand that you don't currently have a husband because you've had five. I've had five of them. And it's almost like he's reaching right into her junk, and it's almost like, hold on, Jesus, did you not, like, take human relations 101? <laughs> Maybe communication, something, you know, like, this is messed up, dude. You know, you don't, you don't talk to people like that, but he's full of grace, but he's also full of truth. And then she ends up saying what you just said is actually true. And then 
He reveals to her before he reveals to anybody else in the Gospels, this woman from Sychar who is horrible at relationships, he reveals to her who he actually is before he reveals to anybody else, even his disciples, and says, you're standing toe-to-toe with the Savior of the world. And you remember that uh, dating, meeting, meeting, dating, and relating series that we just did on marriage and dating? Listen to me, young ladies. This is some good frickin' Advice from Jesus. He says to this woman, you're standing toe-to-toe with the Messiah right now. And if you would just ask me, I would give you something that would quench the thirst of your soul that no man on planet Earth can possibly fill. Listen to me. Relate up. Relate to Jesus before you relate out to others. Another story. Jesus comes to this this pool of Bethesda is what it was called, right? And there's this guy that's been laying there. It calls him an invalid. We don't really know what was wrong with him. Maybe he was paralyzed or something like that. And he's laying at this pool and all the cripples and all these people would lay at this pool of Bethesda and then they would try to dip into the pool. And so uh, he comes up to this guy. He just, he walks up to this one guy in particular and then there had to have been a whole bunch of people there, but this one guy in particular and he comes up and he says, hey man, Do you want to get well? And immediately, this guy's response, he starts whining. He goes, man, I try to get in the pool all the time, and then people like getting in the the pool before I do, and I can never just get in. And (laughs) I love what Jesus responds, though. It's like he's he's completely ignoring the guy. And he goes, listen, pick up your mat and walk. Let me shut down the wambulance and the whining, okay? Pick up, pick up your mat and walk. And it says immediately this guy got completely cured, completely healed. He gets up, going crazy, and all of a sudden Jesus like slips away, right? He's not even there. These people come up to Jesus and they say, or to this guy that got healed, and they're like, what happened? By the way, it's, it's the Sabbath, man. You can't be carrying your mat. That's illegal. How stupid is that, by the way? He's carrying a mat and gets, gets flack for it, right, because of the Sabbath. And he goes, I don't know who it was, but this guy just told me to pick up my mat and walk, and now I can walk, and I'm completely healed. And, and, and so they're like, well, who is this guy? Nobody knew. So Jesus slipped away, and he went into the temple, right? So he's hanging out at church. It's cool. And, and, and so later on, this guy goes up to the same temple. Jesus comes back around, finds the guy, And here's what he says. Dylan, come up here real quick, man. Yeah, yeah, your name's Dylan, right? Okay, here, I'll help you up here. Okay, so we're gonna reenact, okay? He doesn't know this this was gonna happen, by the way. So go ahead and lay down for a minute, okay? You wanna get better? Wah, wah, wah. Listen, pick up your mat and walk. You're cured, right? You're going crazy. People have been asking you, who did this? I don't know, man. He's not around here. And then, you know, I'm like at the temple over here, you know, eating some cheese or whatever they were doing. And so you're going to like come up now, and I'm going to see you. And here's what Jesus says. You got to be happier than that, dude. You were just invalid for 38 years. So this is what Jesus says. And he goes, see, look, look, man, you're well. This is, and that's all he would have done. Guess so. See, you're well, man. Like, they would have been, you know, I don't know. 
Yeah, jump, jump, right? Yeah, doing the frolic, hey. Right, we're going crazy, man. <laughs> you know what that reminded me of? <laughs> Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed in part three when they're doing that on the beach. It was really weird. So, But they're going crazy. Jesus says, look, man, see, you're well, you're well. And I could see him like just fist bumping, you know, if it was today, you know, like, man, hugging, dude. I'm so, oh, my goodness. Right, the grace of God. The grace of God healed this man, right? And man, it would be an awesome story if it stopped there. But then look what, look what Jesus says. John chapter five. He says, now stop sinning. Stay there. <laughs> I'm not done with you. Now stop sinning or something worse might happen to you. What could be worse you know what I'm saying? So there's all this grace. I got to be happy. You're so well. No, hey man, listen, real quick. Stop living the way that you're living, okay? okay. Or you might end up more jacked up than you were before. <laughs> okay? Got it. got it. Got it. All right, go Lions. We'll see you later. Okay. <laughs> How weird is that? But listen, grace. He hit him with grace. Healed him. God's grace. But then he comes in with the truth and says, but hold on a second, you need to stop sinning. Or something else really bad might happen to you. That's the truth. Do you see the tension there? There's tension. And then my favorite story, this is one of my favorite stories of all time in the Gospels, is where the woman's caught in adultery and the Pharisees, the teacher of the law, they bring this woman who's caught in this act of adultery, and they bring this woman before Jesus, and they say, teacher, listen, this woman, we've caught her in adultery, and here's what the law of Moses says. The law of Moses says that we need to stone her to death right now. What do you say? And they were trying to set a trap for him. So what we know is that Jesus bent down and he started drawing in the sand. We don't know what he was drawing, but he comes up from drawing in the sand and here's what he says. Okay, you want to play to the law of Moses? Remember the law of Moses, uh, the law came through Moses. Um, let's, let's play to that for a moment. And then he says this. So, tell you what, why don't whoever here is without sin go ahead and pick up a stone and throw it? Listen, if you've never committed adultery in your heart, you be the first to throw that stone. You know what? If you've never lusted after someone else, go ahead. And it's interesting how he just shows this woman grace in, by, by this act. He's showing this woman grace, but then he backdoors the truth to everyone else by saying, hey, listen, why don't you pick up a stone and throw it if you've never committed a sin? And they've got to be thinking in their minds the same things that you and I would have been thinking, which is, I've broken the law too. And if I've broken one of them, then I've broken all of them. The wages of sin is death. I deserve to die too. And one by one, the stones just start falling, hitting the, stand, hitting the sand. And then he comes up and makes people even more uncomfortable. He comes up to this woman, and here's what he said. He says, hey, where are your condemners? Does anybody stand here and condemn you? And she looks up and she goes, no, I don't see anybody. They're gone. Jesus looks at her and says, listen, listen, I don't condemn you either. 
grace. But then he says, but go and sin no more. Leave this life of sin. And it's like he's looking at her saying, listen, I don't condemn you either, but you are better than what you're currently acting like. And I've created you for so much more. Stop sinning. Leave this life of sin behind. So hold on, time out a second. Time out a second. Which one is it? Jesus, you don't condemn her or she's a sinner? Yes. So why did you have to bring up the sin issue if you don't condemn her? Because that's how he loves people. Grace, full of grace, and he's full of truth. So friends, how in the world do we steer clear of never becoming people, the body of Christ, that abuses the grace of God? It's really simple, but really hard. We need to become people who receive God's grace and truth. And we also need to become people who give grace and truth. Last year about this time, and I'm gonna close on this story, I was at home and I was prepping for a message, a sermon, and our refrigerator had actually broken down and so I had no ice for my water, and that's a big deal, right? Who wants warm water? You know what I'm saying? So I'm literally, I have no idea what, it was like a Wednesday, I think, and I have no idea what I'm going to preach about the next night. And I'm really struggling to just even pen anything to paper. I've got nothing, having what they call writer's block, right? So I get up, refrigerators broke down, I get into my car, and I drive down to the local gas station, a marathon, by where I live. I walked into the marathon and uh, immediately I smelled pizza, pepperoni specifically, and it smelled delicious, but I don't buy like, you know, pizza from Speedway and Marathon, so, but it, it, it smelled really good, you know, and so I go over to uh, get some, the refrigerator to get some waters, and, and so I grabbed like a, a mocha, java, locale, you know, monster drink, have you ever seen those, right? They're delicious. No, they're, they're horrible for you, though. It's like, you know, I think somebody in here once saw me with a monster and said, man, that's like eating eight cigarettes right now. I was like, I'm <laughs> never drinking one of these again. And so I, I opened up the, uh, the refrigerator and I grabbed some smart waters because nobody wants to drink dumb water. And so I grabbed these two, right, and I come back up. And so I'm, at this point, I'm the only one in the gas station. And I come up and I see this young lady 23 years old, I believe. She's behind the counter, and I said, man, it sure smells delicious in here. Stupid thing to say, I know. <laughs> but I said it. This is a true story, right? And she's like, yeah, that's the nicest thing anybody said to me all day. And she was serious, and I was like, oh, really? It can't be that bad, right? And she goes, I hate my life. I'm like, This, it really can't be that bad. And she goes, no, I'm just surprised that I haven't put a gun in my mouth by now. And I knew it was a, a divine appointment. I was there for the right reasons. And, and so uh, I said the most brilliant thing that I've ever said. I said, wow, life must really suck for you, huh? <laughs> Super encouraging. 
super pastoral, spiritual, <laughs> whatever. You would have said something stupid too. And so uh, um, I start talking to her, you know, and I was like, well, come on, there's, it can't be that bad. I mean, you know, tell me, and I said, just start, why don't you just tell me kind of what your dreams and your desires are, you know? I always love hearing about what people are passionate about, and so I'm trying to get her to talk about those things, and she said, well, I used to be passionate about this and, and, and that, and, but then, you know, things changed, and then my dreams just kind of went by the wayside, and, and, you know, so I talked to her a little bit about how I had specific dreams at one point in time, but those dreams changed, you know, once, once I began a relationship with God. And, and, and so I kind of took her through some of that. And then she says, yeah, you know, uh, and I used to be an athlete and things, and I wanted to coach, and I wanted to do all this stuff. And now, you know, it's interesting that I'm coaching now just on a different team, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, and so I started talking to her about that, and she said, yeah, you know, I used to be an athlete too, and I ran track and cross country. I was really, really good, man. And my, my dreams and my goals were to, I was, I was going to get a scholarship, and I was going to go to college and get, get some of my college paid for so that I could have a better life, you know. And, and I said, well, listen to me. I don't think God is done with you, you know. And people, and by the way, I've been here like 10, 15 minutes now at this point, right? People are coming in and cashing out, and I'm just not leaving. I'm just not leaving until I know this thing is over. You know, and so um, long story short, at the end, I ended up saying, well, hey, you know what? There's hope for your life, and I believe that things are going to get better for you. And I just started encouraging her. And then I said, and by the way, you know, um, I actually lead a service called Access. We meet on Thursday nights. Actually, it's tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. What are you doing tomorrow night? And she's like, um, yeah, probably sleeping, you know. And, and I said, well, hey, you know, I'll tell you what. You should come out to church. And she says, what church is that? And I said, it's at Resurrection Life Church. And she says, oh, my goodness, do you know so-and-so? You know, she used to go back there and in, like, 2009. I said, man, no, I, I've only been going to this, this church for like five years, so I don't know who she is, but she, so she was familiar with the church. And she says, yeah, you know, I tried the whole church thing when I was in high school, and I was extremely appalled by how hypocritical and judgmental Christians were towards me when I went to church, and I'm never, ever going back to church again. And I said to her, I said, well, young lady, let me tell you something. Um, first of all, I apologize on behalf of those people that looked at you that way and gave you the stink eye and, and made you feel like you were less than and they were better than because listen to me, that is not how God sees you. God is okay with you right where you are at. Do you understand that, young lady? And, and she's like, yes. And I said, listen, they misrepresented God. Christians don't always get it right. We are hypocritical and we are judgmental from time to time. But listen to me. If you ever come to our church service on a Thursday night, if you ever decide to come, I think you might be pleasantly surprised by what you encounter. And I think that's going to be a whole bunch of people your age that are going to accept you right where you're at. Because God's okay with where you're at right now, but he loves you too much for you to stay where you're at. And she says, yes, I understand that. Thank you so much for saying that to me. And... Uh, we, you know, I just, I gave her some more encouraging words, and, and then I said, man, you know, woman, <laughs> I think your day is just going to get better and better as this day goes on. I really do think that your day is going to be blessed.
and your life is gonna be blessed. And we parted ways, I left, I pulled out of there. And I remember being so hurt because it's so easy. And here's where I was at in my own life. I was becoming a little bit, you know, on the whole truth side of things. I was, that's where I was headed, was towards becoming judgmental and hypocritical. And it was like a divine encounter that, you know, I hope changed her, but I know it changed me and my thought processes at the time. Because I always wanna err on the side of grace. I left there and I remember weeping thinking, God, don't ever let me get to the place where I make somebody feel like that because your grace is so stinking good, God, that everybody gets in on it. Everybody is welcome to experience and encounter your grace. And I said, may I never become a leader of a church congregation where people become so churchy that they start judging the culture and giving the stink eye out to people who deserve God's grace. Maybe they don't deserve it, but they haven't earned it, but they can receive it. Amen? And that's us, friends. That's us. I know people struggle. So do you. By the way, how were you doing before you said yes to Jesus Christ? And even after you said yes to Jesus Christ, sometimes you fall down, don't you? But that's why you need God's grace all the more now. Grace in place of grace. And listen to me. So here's what I want to say to close. I was thinking about this. We need to be just like Jesus. That's the whole goal of Christianity is to become more and more like Jesus through the indwelling and working of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to become more like Jesus Christ. So if we're gonna do that, we can't abuse grace. We have to be all about grace and all about truth, okay? But I'm gonna say something and give you a little disclosure before I give this to you. This is my opinion. This is where I land right now. And hopefully for a long time till I leave this planet. It's my opinion, and many people will disagree with me on this. That's why I'm saying this is my opinion. That we, as followers of Jesus Christ, if we're going to land on one side of the fence or another of grace or truth, land on the side of grace. And here's why. Titus chapter two says this. For the, everybody say it out loud. Grace. Nope, let's shout it. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It, what is it? God's grace. Check this out. The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. What teaches us to live that way? Grace. And here's the other reason why. When you experience and encounter God's grace, you'll put your faith in the one that gave you the grace. You'll put your faith in Jesus Christ. You'll believe in him. You'll do good things for him. Listen to me. I don't have to, in the morning, when I get up out of bed, come to God and pray to God to help me steer clear of adultery, God. You wanna know why? Because I am madly in love with my wife. 
And because I love my wife, I want to do good things for her. I can't stop thinking about her. That's how in love with her that I am. And I don't want to hurt somebody that I'm in love with. Listen to me. When you realize who Jesus Christ is, when you recognize what he did for you, you'll believe in him. You'll fall in love with him for who he is, for what he's done, and then you'll want to do the right things for him. But it comes out of a right relationship with him. And so here's the deal. As followers of Christ, we must err on the side of grace because if we get people to experience grace, they'll fall in love with God. They'll get born again. The Spirit of God will come in, indwell in them, help them to live out the Christian life. And here's what Scripture says. It's the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God comes, he will lead and guide you into all truth. Come on, that's better than you guys, amen. That's really good. So we need to err on the side of grace so that people can experience God, fall in love with him, and then the Holy Spirit and the word of God can do most of the rest, leading and guiding people into all truth. Amen? Grace is free, grace is for all, and grace covers all, but we must be people who are all about grace and all about truth, that error on the side of grace, and we're gonna see it a little bit later in Galatians 6 when we get there, what that looks like. Let's bow our heads, let me pray for you guys. Father, I thank you so much for this night, God. Thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for your grace, Lord. So thankful for your grace. And thank you that even when we screw up, you give us more grace. God, I just pray that we would become people who understand that we should never, ever, ever abuse your grace but we can be all about your grace, but all about your truth too. Help us to live like you did, Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us to do that. Show us where we get it wrong so that we can come to you, admit it, so that we can be cleansed from all of our junk. Thank you for being, for being faithful to do that to us, God, and for us. And if there's anybody here that's ready to follow Jesus Christ, lay down their lives so that he can come in and take over, tonight's your night. You need to experience the grace of God so that you can be transformed and become more like Jesus Christ. And then the Holy Spirit is gonna start leading and guiding you into all truth. And if that's you, and you want to make that decision to give your life to Jesus Christ tonight, I'm just gonna ask you on the count of three to slip your hand up in the air and I ask you to do that because Jesus was very clear. He just says, if you'll acknowledge me before other people, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. So on the count of three, if that's you, tonight's your night. One, two, three. Slip your hand up in the air if that's you. Don't worry about that phone. I see all your hands. Is there anybody else that wants to get included and you know that you shouldn't hold back? Is there anyone else? Go ahead and slip your hand up, okay. All right, let's all pray this out loud. You guys can open your eyes. I believe the decision's already been made in your heart. And by the way, God doesn't see external things. He sees what's in your heart. And God saw your hands. More importantly than me seeing them, God saw your hands. 
He knows the decision that you're making tonight. Let's all say this together. Jesus, Jesus. we love you. you. Come be Lord of my life. life. Right now, now. in this moment, moment. I thank you you. that the old way of doing things things. is going away away. and that the new is coming. coming. Make me new right now and completely mess my life up in all the right ways. In Jesus' name, amen. When you give him a big hand, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the message from Kurt Ains this week. If you liked what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at AccessRLC, and be sure to swing out Thursday nights at 7 p.m. in the ground floor at Resurrection Life Church.